I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're recording. We're recording. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Two Black Girls, One Wasian Guy, and One Rose. Where two black ass girls and one Wasian guy invade the whitest show on earth Bachelor in Paradise. I'm Natasha. I'm Justine. And I'm John. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're so excited, everybody. We have John Graham, a.k.a. hashtag VenmoJohn, <laughs> on the line. And we're so excited to talk to John, particularly because his social media presence is really saturated with positive mes- messaging around representation. Um, he's got some dad jokes in there, got some one-liners. Um, and he is not sponsored by corny ads. You're not going to see any teeth whitening, no fat fit fun boxes, none of it. Um, and it just shows how seriously, John, you've taken this platform that you've been given, and we want to thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited, and um, I'm happy we can get to some pretty interesting conversation. Yes. So we were talking offline with John um, quickly that we have even some mutual friends. He had Mm -hmm. a a dorm mate who we went to (laughs) high school with. Small world. Love it. Mm -hmm. Very small world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing we want to ask, so everyone obviously refers to you as Venmo John. How do you feel about this name? You no longer work at Venmo. We know you're one of the first employees there. But, like, this whole hashtag Venmo John, like, what's your take on this? Yeah, at first I was a little quiet about it and reserved. And I think because when you hear about someone that's been early at a tech company, you start to draw impressions about how much money they might have or how financially stable that might be. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to meet people without those connotations Mm -hmm. coming behind me. And so I kind of didn't talk about it much on Bachelorette at all. Mm -hmm. And if, if you talk to any of the guys, probably most of them didn't know from me, they probably found out through someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on Paradise, I'm like, I realized that Venmo is a big part of my life. I spent several years working there, and because I was one of the first employees there, I got to see Venmo go from next to nothing with just a a handful of people to something that a bunch more people use today. So 
mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud and excited about my work at Venmo. And I would want my partner in the future to be excited about that too. So if that's something that I am hiding from people, mm-hmm. then I'm not really opening up and doing myself the the like full service that I should be to getting to know people. So mm-hmm. I embrace it. If you know, if people want to call me that, then I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. I I usually go by John, but people <laughs> come up to me and yell like, "Are you Venmo John?" <laughs> I I've got no problems with it. Nice. Yeah, it's a big part of your life, so you mm-hmm. might as well wear it with pride. Why not? How how did the so we live in New York City so we've obviously we seen see you all over we see you everywhere <laughs> these Venmo ads how did that come about yeah so years ago we ran an ad campaign that was similar to the current Venmo ad campaign in the subways but that one was called Lucas uses Venmo mm. and one of our coworkers named Lucas an Asian guy uh, we took photos of him looking very stoic and <laughs> we had random simple sentences plastered mm-hmm. in the subways like oh. you, Lucas uses this Lucas takes the stairs Lucas eats sushi Lucas likes magic Lucas mm-hmm. uses Venmo and the whole idea was hey if Lucas is so normal and using Venmo I should use Venmo too mm-hmm. and okay. so this new Venmo campaign that they ran now was sort of a callback to what they did in the past with oh, okay. a little bit more exposure with someone that people have seen before on TV. Yes. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Oh, nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So where are you calling us from? I currently live in San Francisco. So I've been here for like three years or so. After I left Venmo, I joined a new startup out here in San Francisco, and I packed up my stuff from New York, and I moved to San Francisco. Oh, cool. Are you from New York originally? I'm not from New York. I actually grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And I'd say that was like one of the whitest neighborhoods that I could have grown (laughs) up in. And as one of the few non-white people, I always felt like there was a little bit of interesting dynamic or something that just seemed slightly different. Mm -hmm. People very rarely said things, Mm -hmm. but it just felt different. Mm. And then I went to college in New York and I lived in New York for several years. That's when I was working at Venmo. Mm-hmm. And then and I came to San Francisco after that. Mm, okay. okay. Well, me and Justine know all about white spaces. We do. <laughs> so, us private school girls, we yep. know. Yeah. Also from... I went to a private school too, actually. You okay. did? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. We got lots to talk about yeah. here. <laughs> um, all right. So, with you know, you were on The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. You know, you've been watching yourself on TV. How were you watching the seasons? Were you doing watch parties? Like, how were you watching every every week? I think for the initial episode for Bachelorette, Bachelorette and the initial episode for Paradise, I watched with some friends at their houses or apartments. Mm-hmm. I don't have cable TV, and mm-hmm. I only have Netflix and Hulu. So <laughs> after those first episode, after we watched the first episode, I would just watch on my own, but I'd have to wait for the next day oh, when, it wow. went, when it was available on Hulu to actually watch the episode so I didn't even watch get a chance to finish watching them all I watched what I could wow (laughs) damn John really not giving a fuck not at all (laughs) he was extremely entertaining yeah he's like I'll get around to it one day yeah whatever (laughs) whatever yeah whenever we've had a guest on the show um 
we love to dig into the casting process because Justine and I are especially fascinated by the complete and utter lack of diversity, racial diversity on the show. And we're really trying to make sense of all of it. So we're definitely going to dig into that a little bit. Sure, let's go there. Great. (laughs) So before we talk about your casting specifically, what was your relationship to the franchise before you were on the show? I hadn't seen that many episodes of the show before. I hadn't seen a single episode of Paradise, but I had an ex-girlfriend in the past that was into the show. So I knew the premise. I'd seen a few episodes of probably like um, some subset of guys that are out there that think the show's a little contrived and silly and I don't get it and I don't know why I would watch it, but I was intrigued by the drama. I did think it was entertaining. Um, And so I guess kind of the steps that led me to applying was in 2017, I got out of a relationship and it was short, but Mm -hmm. I was pretty into it. So Mm -hmm. When it ended in early 2017, I was pretty bummed out for a while, and I like really took time off of dating to like focus on myself. And I like I joined a volleyball league, and I bought a guitar, and I started volunteering. So like things that I wanted to be doing for myself, Mm -hmm. not focus on dating. And then by the end of 2017, my friends were like, "All right, you should definitely get yourself out there again." And two of my friends, they're married, they love the show, and they're like, here's the steps to apply, here's what you have to do, and they kept pinging me every week to apply. So eventually I wrote, I think my application process probably mimics a a number of guys, but I just applied online. I don't think there's any casting in San Francisco that I know of, Um, but I got to write an essay and send in photos and do a video interview, and... I actually mailed in my application. So I put it on like a USB stick with the photos and the video and printed out my essay and put it all in like a little package and mailed it. Wow. And then so that was early 2018. And then a few days later, maybe a week later, they I was smart enough to forget my email address in my application. <laughs> oh, my so, God. So they had to like comment on like an Instagram post or something to to notify me oh and like wow. tell me to email a certain person. And then through there, I, I uh, went to LA for interviews and eventually got an offer to be on the show. And we started filming shortly after. So, so my start to finish application time was pretty quick. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it de- depending on when you apply, it can be like more drawn out or it can be pretty rapid. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. So you did all yeah. the steps, like yeah. sent in the tapes, mailed an envelope, like the whole yeah. thing. Wow. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't know of any other way to apply it. I assume that everyone had to do that, but I don't know. Yeah, we've heard a mixed bag. I yeah, some like. like the LA people obviously did in person mm-hmm. casting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think some people were noticed on the street. Yeah, yeah, some, people, some people were picked were up on the street, or someone had a coworker whose friend was a producer, mm-hmm. like all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, wow, yeah. you did the whole old school route. <laughs> Love yeah. it. <laughs> but I, I do remember in the application process, I was cognizant that I'm Asian and probably different than most of the applicants that apply Mm -hmm. and I was concerned because in my head and I told the casting agents this and I told some of the producers in my in my head my perception is that the people that go far and the people that get on and the people that win 
our homecoming kings that you see from the Midwest mm-hmm. that, you know, played football and are incredibly good looking and they're all, like, you know, six foot five and really athletic. Mm-hmm. And I, like, don't fit that mold quite mm-hmm. as much. Like, and so I told them that and mm-hmm. they're like, they're like, no, like, that's not necessarily what we're looking for. What they want is a diverse batch of folks, but, you know, hopefully with applicants like you, we're going to get more of those applicants now because the Mm. truth is my understanding is that they don't get many applicants of color and they don't Mm -hmm. get many applicants of like Asian or minority descent. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. generally like what you see is on TV are the types of people that apply. Mm -hmm. So they can only pull from such a small pool from the minority groups. So it's actually harder probably for them to like hit diversity goals. If that's even, Mm -hmm. you know, on their radar, it mm-hmm. never came up in my application process unless I explicitly talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's been our assessment from, like, talking with people is that they really just don't get that many people of color to apply. Yeah. That being said, though, we've also heard that they go out and seek people. If they really want to find, like, people of color, they have casting people that go out and search out people. I think Demario or somebody was found in, like, Chipotle. a Chipotle. Yeah. So if it's really up to them, they can do it. Um, yeah, I heard. I heard Chris Don was found similarly. Like maybe his uh, friend referred him, or mm-hmm, okay. uh, someone saw him just in LA mm-hmm. and through that. And, and Chris Don's a black guy, so mm-hmm. he, I, I, his application process might have been slightly mm-hmm. different too. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we were doing some digging online. So in terms of just like the casting, the historic casting of Asian men on The Bachelorette, we had uh, season two. Andy Chang. He went home night one. And then they didn't have another Asian male until season 12 with Oof. JoJo. Jonathan Hamilton also went home night one. And then on Rachel's season, we had two, um, Blake Kilpack, who was the U.S. Marine that like everyone was obsessed Favorite. with. Yeah. yeah, And Mohit Segal, who also went home night one. So I would say mass media, I mean, outside The Bachelor, mass media historically has just erased Asian men from the romantic view. You know what I mean? And so... The Bachelorette is pretty much just a part of that. Why, in your opinion, has The Bachelor, a franchise about romance that has such a nationwide platform, why do you think they followed suit with this? Well, change like this, in my, from what I've seen, doesn't happen overnight. And it's a long process. And it's not just for any sort of culture or ethnicity. It's probably anybody, any group that is non-white. And it takes time to like build out those diversity numbers, and mm-hmm. it takes time to represent folks that are not historically represented. And like just so so the and, and like a clear example that I see when you look at someone who was an absolutely phenomenal bachelorette, like Rachel, mm-hmm. and like, she's a minority, and just looking at a very broad like number of followers on Instagram, hers is very different than some of the other mm-hmm. white bachelorettes. Right. And it's not because she was a bad bachelorette. Like she was amazing. And if you talk to anybody that knows her, she was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And she truly ran the show and like people really love her. The the difference is that the rest of America sees differently. Mm-hmm. Um, just on like appearances and that's not Mm -hmm. something that 
changes overnight. It takes a lot of time. So, mm. so as long as there, you know, there's continued representation, right. um, like with Asians specifically, I think like with the movie Crazy Rich Asians, which I talked about mm-hmm. and I love, and yes. with um, you seeing more Asian folks in uh, the media and now on Bachelorette and on Bachelor in Paradise, it's really cool to see. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's baby steps each way, but like we're getting there. And yeah. it's just cool to see. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> definitely. Definitely agreed. And if we just talk about the year 2018, right, it started, I would, we would say with you on uh, The Bachelorette, <laughs> mm-hmm. then Crazy Rich Asians, we had Aquafina hosting SNL, um, yeah. to all the bo- boys I loved before. Um, we had Asian Bay on Insecure. We had Fresh Off the Boat is in its fifth season on ABC. Um, and we can go on and on just for 2018 representation alone. But it seems like for this year, compared to last year, we've gone from zero to 100. Like, as much as it is a gradual process to, like, get diversity into the behind-the-scenes stuff, for us as consumers, it seems like it's gone from no Asian representation to Asian representation all over the place. So our cynical view of that is that some big executives caught on to the fact that it sells, that Asian representation is selling. So what is your take on kind of our view on that? I've never heard about, I've never heard in person about any sort of, um, you know, riding the Asian hype train for 2018. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe those are conversations mm. um, that the higher ups have. It never came out um, in any sort of discussions with me. Um, but when I look back, growing up as a kid, like, you know, going back to what I saw were the homecoming kings that were strikingly good looking and muscular, the, you never saw an Asian guy like that. And to see, folks like that represented in the media in such a positive light as the leading male or the leading female of minority descent. Mm-hmm. I, like That's just such an uplifting thing to see. So much so that Asian guys chase me down the street now and mm-hmm. have like called after me just to say that they saw me on the show and thought it was awesome wow. because I'm Asian or because I have the same major as them or because I work at a tech company like they do. And it was like, like that's the type of representation to me that matters. When people feel so much more proud of their background and so much more like, like valued and understood just because they've seen somebody that they like, they don't even know in person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is so heartwarming. It is. <laughs> and it's literally, so nice. why it we really always. Is. Like, I was with yeah. my friends and I was like, I was like, guys, I'm, I have to take a photo with Patrick. He's the man. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so I like, to say hi. Yeah. Wow. Aww. Yeah. Representation is so crucial for those moments in particular. Yeah. Where the little girl or just like the random guy in the street is just so happy to see someone who looks like him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because I felt that way growing up and I mm-hmm. never saw people like role models that I could look to in the media that look like me. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, if they feel that way, then heck yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy to sit down and chat with them and take photos with them. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. So just moving into that, a good segue. Um, according to a huge study done by OkCupid in 2014, black women and Asian men were deemed the least desirable among online daters. 
But in the last four or five years, black women have been celebrated in the media and definitely seen as desirable. Um, And as we said before, this year, Asian men have been having a similar buildup. Henry Golding and Crazy Rich Asians and A Simple Favor is definitely a sex symbol now. Um, And as Insecure fans, we were dying over Asian Bay um, Alexander Hodge. We were definitely swooning over him. Um, So what are you making of this movement of the hot Asian male? That you're definitely a part of. <laughs> I mean, as a half Asian male my, myself, I think that's awesome. <laughs> Especially, you know, as someone who didn't grow up with that uh, stigma around me. Mm-hmm. And another thing too, like, I know I'm going to have kids that have some sort of like Asian-looking features, mm-hmm. and I want them to feel like they have role models growing up. And I see young Asian kids today or young kids of minority today that um, that might face similar challenges or, or just insecurity issues, and I want them to feel like they have role models. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had parents reach out to me and say that they uh, will also have half-Asian children and that they are excited to see that this change is happening because they know that their kids are going to have similar um, experiences when they grow up and wow. so hearing those types of stories is mm-hmm. is like exciting when when you know that there's like i can be part of that catatalyst for change mm-hmm. yeah it's That's a movement awesome. yeah just gotta hop yeah, on slowly the... but surely we get there yeah <laughs> slowly but surely we're trudging along mm-hmm. wow so we want to segue we're gonna you know dig into becca's season a little bit we want to backtrack into your Datingness, <laughs> dating sure. history a bit. Let's do it. Um, so you're unarguably probably one of the most quote unquote eligible bachelors mm-hmm. who've been on The Bachelorette, besides being good looking and witty, obviously very well spoken, um, you know, very successful in your personal and professional life. That being said, one, are you single? And two, why are you single? What is your take on this? Walk us through um, this. <laughs> yeah, I'm single right now. And I think coming back from the show, it just made me, it, <laughs> it made me a little um, more judicious about the people that I want to spend my time with. And mm-hmm. it made me more, um, I guess, suspicious of why people want to hang out with me mm-hmm. is it do they like the idea of hanging out with me mm-hmm. or do they actually like me and this came from like a very specific example I'm thinking of I mm-hmm. met up with someone who like we got connected through social media mm-hmm. and like on paper would have been awesome and perfect and you know like we're, we're both enjoy running and lots of outdoor stuff mm-hmm. and in the bay area and like things seem really awesome but like in person it was fine it was good but mm-hmm. we go to pay and like there was numerous opportunities to like pay for things like a drink or mm-hmm. an activity or whatever and she's just stood there mm. like <laughs> didn't, didn't say anything didn't even look at me didn't even remember and I stood there too like I'm always gonna pay yeah, yeah. I want to be the gentleman it gives me pride to be able to like take care of somebody right. and that's the kind of guy I want to be when I and I'm with my partner mm-hmm. but if you don't even like oh, motion sure. your hand into your pocket, yes. or, or if you if you don't be like, hey, like why, like can I get this round mm-hmm. or whatever, and you, instead you just stand Same. there all like absent-mindedly and don't even 
like, mm. like do the dance with me. Mm-hmm. If right. Do the dance with me, then <laughs> then it starts to miss. I like am suspicious of yeah. what you want. So yeah, um, mm. that sort of left a, like a sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And and since then, I've been pretty hands off on like trying to go on like really formal dates and trying to like I'm not on any dating apps I mm-hmm. like since the show I've been re- mostly focused on mm-hmm. like like being heads down at work mm-hmm. and like, spending time with my friends mm-hmm. so like that's that's kind of my bread yeah. and butter at the moment but like mm-hmm. I, I am certainly open to meeting Mrs. Wright mm-hmm. I know she's out there um, but like I feel like I need a little bit of built up trust yeah. with somebody before I'm going to really want to like have feelings for them or want to date them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Jeez, ladies, you have to at least do the gesture. At least do the reach. <laughs> at least the reach. Or, or be like, oh my God, are you sure? Right. Yeah. <laughs> something, it's or the gesture. Like, like, can I get next round or something? Right. Yeah. Whatever it is, like, I'm, I'm going to pay, so it's fine, but right. like. The <laughs> offer. Like, you know how to do it. Yes, we <laughs> know. Yeah. We are yeah. well-versed in the gesture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, I can imagine now that, you know, you're more well-known, you're more on a national platform, Venmo is like, attached to your name now that it's definitely a little bit more difficult what i mean dating what's what overall i guess what's dating like in the bay area seeing that it's a more male dominated city also tech is a very male dominated industry um i guess what's the dating landscape just Mm -hmm. in general over there yeah well before the show i was using dating apps Mm -hmm. and my experience was you get what you, you, you like take out what you put in. And so the amount of time that I invest in, you know, selecting the right photos, writing a good bio, mm-hmm. messaging people, planning a date, confirming the date, the day of, then going to meet them. Like <laughs> I, I, I could eventually get to the point where I would like go on a date with somebody, mm-hmm. but it's really time consuming. Mm-hmm. And you have to get through a lot of cruft to eventually meet cool people. Right. And I don't know if that's specific to San Francisco, but that was my um, experience in San Francisco before I went on the show. Mm-hmm. It's the same over here. I'll yeah. just say that. <laughs> New York is yeah. the same. You put in a lot of effort to maybe potentially get on a date, but it's a lot of buildup. To, yeah. And, to and people, are, I found, are not always clear about what they want or they may not even know what they want Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if they want something casual and fleeting or if they want to be in a committed relationship is like i don't care i get both both are fine as long as you're respectful and honest about it Mm -hmm, but i think people do a really poor job of communicating that Mm -hmm. especially up front when you're like afraid of scaring somebody or afraid of coming on too strong right so I've always, mm. especially more recently, found that it's better to be upfront about what you want and how you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it on our last episode, mm-hmm. just like clearing motives and being very upfront as to what your intentions are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, on online and dating... It's also like you can mm-hmm. make... Pe- you might be polarizing in that people are really going to like you or people are going to hate you yeah. for being that upfront. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And in the same way that social me- on social media, people love you or hate you, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you want to be polarizing because mm-hmm. the people that yeah. love you are your like diehard big fans and they're not going to leave you. 
then if they hate you, they're not going to follow you anyway. So right. it's the same thing with people. If you're yourself and you're upfront and honest, at least they can decide whether or not they want to spend t- more time with you because they know what you want. Exactly. So exactly. Always, be, always be clear. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. said last week, I said online dating feels like a bunch of people just wasting each other's time. <laughs> if we all were just clear on our yeah. profiles, it would be a lot easier and we'd go on more dates. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Are you DTD or DTF? Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Let's be upfront, please. So, wait, you've never considered going on Raya? Have you heard about Raya? Oh, yeah. You can get on Raya now, John. Yeah. I have heard of Raya. I. I don't know if I have any, I'm sure I have friends on Raya. I've never talked to them about it. So, Mm. um, I don't know. I've never been referred or I've I've never had that conversation, but I thought you had to be referred by someone who's on Raya and I don't know anybody on Raya. Yeah. You can email somebody from Raya. You would get in. It's very dubious. I know they look at like social media influence. So if you have a certain number of followers or something, but I don't know if you still need an invite code or something. I don't know. If he, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you investigate, let us know and send me an invite. <laughs> <laughs> I have like 900 followers on Instagram. I'm nowhere near Raya material. <laughs> okay, so let's dig into Becca's season. Um, your time on Becca's season was unfortunately short-lived, um, but we just want to know what was your one-on-one time with Becca like? Did you see like sparks there with her? With Becca... I felt like she was one of the nicest people I've ever met. So sweet. She really cares about getting to know people. But I didn't feel like we had chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I, conversation was easy and was great. But I wasn't like, man, this is my girl. Like, mm-hmm. I, I saw the sparks flying with other guys. And you know, I, I tried it at first. And we didn't get there. And like, it's no harm, no foul. Like, I'm still friends with Garrett and Becca and I like I'm so when I see them together I see how happy they are together and like I didn't have that with her so Mm -hmm. I'm not at all jealous or upset about it I'm like so happy for them good nice nice um so as far as the house goes like who are you closest to in the house yeah I, I at the house I definitely hung out with Garrett a bunch. I hung out with Kristan. Mm-hmm. I hung out with Leo. Uh, I hung out with Blake uh, mm-hmm. and Colton. So okay. those are some of the guys that I was closer with. Okay, yeah, a lot of friends. Yeah, <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. So Justine and I have dug into this entire podcast quite a bit. Becca's season of just some problematic men among mm-hmm. the cast. We had Lincoln, who was a convicted sexual offender. Um, Leo had some sexual harassment accusations come out, and he also just looked like a full-on dick on Paradise. (laughs) And Jordan, I mean, Jordan, it's a bit split. I would say, in my opinion, he seemed very self-absorbed on the season. Um, he's now kind of had a whole nother, like, storyline arc with Paradise (laughs) and this whole Jenna scandal. Um, and then Garrett, who we've definitely not shied away with how we feel about his whole social media stuff. What was, I'm just curious, like, what was the energy like in the house among the guys? I mean, I would say with the guys, we were all pretty tight. There were maybe a few people that we were not fond of. 
And other than that, like, we were buddies. Mm-hmm. Like, we would just hang out. And, like, uh, like, in the later weeks, most people didn't want to know what was going on on the one-on-one dates. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, was always curious. I was like, oh, what'd you guys do? How did it go down? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have feelings for Becca like that. But some of the other guys were like, oh, I don't want to hear about it. Just, like, do your thing. Let's, let's be homies, though. Mm-hmm. And for... But, like, with the exception of maybe a couple guys, like, we were all, I would say, like, fairly tight. Maybe some guys closer than others, but like, mm-hmm. we, we were all buddies, I'd say. Okay. And so after, I guess what makes it interesting is, like, after all these different scandals with Lincoln and Leo and Gare and all this have been revealed, how did the dynamic around all you guys, I guess, post-show, like, did they shift? Has anyone even talked to Lincoln? <laughs> like, what's um, what's happened? I haven't really spoken to Lincoln much after the show. I think we texted a couple times right after I got back from filming, but um, since then, not so much. With Garrett, I still talk to him uh, more regularly. I just got dinner with him, like, on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, any anybody else? Who, who, did you, who else did you mention? Yeah, I guess just uh, if there was a dynamic shift after, like, it just seems like one week there was, like, the Lincoln scandal, yeah. then the Leo scandal, then the Garrett scandal. Like, was there a shift among you guys in terms of your dynamics? Um, I would say probably not. I mean, the, like, maybe Lincoln was one of the guys that in the house we weren't too fond of mm-hmm. because he was he's a very fast talker who talks in circles and says the same thing over and over again and (laughs) Mm -hmm. it just got kind of bland Mm. so I I wouldn't say that any of us were really tight with him before during or after the show so it's probably been pretty consistent like if we were friends with him on the show we're still friends with him now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still consider myself friends with Leo and you know we catch up from time to time Mm -hmm. and even though you know he, he didn't have the make the best choices on Paradise, mm-hmm. I I know he's still a good guy mm-hmm. deep down. He just he just made some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Now with Becca and Garrett, so Becca was someone who going into being the Bachelorette, she was very vocal about being very political and being you know liberal, big Hillary fan, all that jazz. Um, and she ends up choosing or being with Garrett, whose social media activity kind of painted a different picture. And in the end, you know, we were a little perplexed by her choice until we kind of just saw it as, you know, this is a, a woman, a white woman, who is able to use her white privilege to kind of bypass maybe viewing someone's belief systems in a way that, as a woman of color, I wouldn't be able to look past some of the things that yeah, I saw from his social media. It would just yeah, be a, a deal I, I mean, it, I, I never saw race being like a, an issue or even a topic that people talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume it didn't come up with Becca and Garrett in their personal conversations, but I, I, I don't know what they talked about behind closed doors. Right, I yeah. will say, if you talk to Garrett, he is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And sure it, it stinks to see, um, like, like, yes, he did make some poor decisions on social media back in the day and you know he, he's very sorry about that and he stands for by his apology um but 
if, if you met him in person, he's like a deep down, very genuine, nice guy. And he really cares about the people in his life and he would never want to hurt a soul. So mm-hmm. um, I understand that people are uh, frustrated and and hurt by some of his past social media actions. But, uh, they, you know, from from what I've seen with Garrett, he's not that kind of guy. And, you know, he's a, a super loving, genuine, caring guy. Mm hmm. Yeah, I totally, I can see that. I could totally see yeah. how he's a definitely see how he's likable. Guy. Yeah, and a likable guy. Yeah, he's super so. fun, super funny, and, yeah. and and very caring with those people that he's close with. So mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of person that Becca fell in love with, not mm, for right. some mistakes that he made in the past years ago. Yeah, I guess my personal... I don't want to get too into it because I can go off on a whole tangent, but (laughs) my personal, um, I guess, belief around it is I would love to have seen Garrett just kind of own, just own your beliefs. For me, I think it's weird to, for him to apologize for the likes in a way, you know, don't apologize for your likes, give an explanation for, Yeah. yeah, if that's what your belief system is, then just own that and run with it. The... The apology thing was kind of weird to me. I don't know. But anyways, what we wanted to ask was really, you know, with politics, how does politics for you play into dating? And have you ever dated someone who might have a different belief than you? And how did it work? I don't think politics really comes up in conversation on, like, dates that I've been on. Um, And with my friends and inner circle of people that I hang out with. I would say we're all pretty like-minded and being liberal and wanting to treat people with respect. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, we do our fair share of, like, hating on certain political figures, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that's generally in jest and just with our, like, friends. We we don't go into deeply political stuff, like, in our dating lives, or at least I don't. If there's any plug, though, that I want want to have, it's that people should go vote Thank you. in this Yay! <laughs> upcoming election. So Plug away. <laughs> yeah, it's important, everybody. <laughs> yep. You heard it from John. Go vote. <laughs> go vote. Um, so one thing that we thought was interesting, tying back to social media, is that um, in the kind of Garrett apology, he said that he never realized the power behind a mindless double tap um and who's to say what um that what anybody likes is truly what they believe um but now both becca and garrett have sponsored content on their instagram pages and so they can't deny the monetary value of those double taps so as consumers how like what can we make of all of this when they're like diminishing the value of a double tap but also asking us to double tap <laughs> um i don't know i hadn't thought that far ahead into it i would like i think they try to pick brands and sponsors that are meaningful to them and are like, are, are true to who they are mm-hmm. so if if you know if it's something that they want to be sponsored with and i was actually just talking to garrett about this like he has a way bigger social media following than I do, and mm-hmm. he barely does any sponsorships because it's just not something that he, you know, 
cares that much about. And, you know, he's an outdoors guy and loves to be active and loves to be with his friends and family. So he'd rather spend his time doing that. Um, so I, I, I don't think that like social media is his end game. Okay. Like, I, I think it's really like, it's when you're in that situation, um, and sponsors are offering you a lot of money to mm-hmm. post a picture, mm-hmm. like who wouldn't do that? Yeah. But like, especially while, you know, this might be a shorter window than other, um, people in, in, in like media. So mm-hmm. I, he, you know, he's not, I've never known him as that kind of guy. And, but, um, like it's, a. Uh, like social media is a thing that you can monetize on, so I, you know, I don't blame him for it. Mm-hmm. Like I would be if I were in his shoes. Yeah, yeah, and he has a he has a job job mm-hmm. as well. It's not like his only source of income is this. So yeah, yeah, he he has a lot of experience with medical sales too. Oh, that's right. That's yes. right. This is right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he actually taught me quite a bit on the show too because he he was had to go through extensive training for it. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, got to get that money. Yep, I guess. Get to secure that bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, we wanted to shift away from Becca and Gary. Let's go into Paradise, yeah. where you completely, you thrived in mm-hmm. Paradise, um, John. Yeah, well, I came into Paradise with a completely different mindset. Like, on Bachelorette, I was timid, I was shy, and I've, I've never been particularly good in big group scenarios, especially when it's a big group of alpha males. Mm-hmm. They're all huge, like physically huge. <laughs> and, and then personality huge, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on Paradise, I like walked in and I met Chris Harrison again. And I was like, you know, this is a new me. I want to hit the ground running. I want to meet everybody. And I want to see what could potentially be there because my future Mrs. Graham might be here. Mm-hmm. And so I really made a point Mm-hmm. to go sit down and talk with everybody. Nice. And I think with the exception of maybe a couple people, I did that. Like yeah. I like didn't have intentions or I didn't have like uh, expectations about where things should go. I just really wanted to sit down and chat with everybody mm-hmm. before I like, you know, go all guns blazing on one person. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a that's a great way to yeah. operate paradise, yeah. Yeah. And there were other folks that didn't put themselves out there and didn't really try to get to know the other women mm-hmm. and I don't think it worked out as well yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, you definitely were out here in these streets. Mm-hmm. You we uh like there's been many think pieces of of <laughs> you and all the women you kissed on Paradise. I would say Justine and I were living. We loved seeing loved you just it. living your best life. Other other viewers might have been turned off. Whatever, we joked on this podcast that we thought you were pimping in paradise because in college you didn't go to spring break because you were busy doing hackathons and coding in your dorm room. Is this true? That is mostly true. Yeah. Oh my god! I was right. I did do. I did do. I think a spring break with. It wasn't like the traditional go to Cancun spring break. Uh-huh. It was more like we rented a house Aww. somewhere with some friends. Okay. okay. So you got something. That's something. Yeah. But he was also doing That's hackathons and crying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and what, what they don't really tell you on Paradise, you have to sort of figure out for yourself, is that the filming itself is pretty quick. And some of the days mm-hmm. you, you don't have all day, every day to spend time with people and just chit chat. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of structure from time to time. And. 
the whole filming because it's only several weeks long you don't have that much time to get to know people right so you have to move relationships along slightly faster than usual because there just isn't that much time like if like chris and crystal got engaged after a month and a lot of people would say that's really fast yeah um Mm -hmm. and you know with some degree of truth that's true but like the conversations that you have on paradise force you to get deep fast mm-hmm. so you're it's like dating in reverse where you mm-hmm. have to get to the deep stuff about a partner before you know their favorite color mm-hmm. because there just isn't that much time, time yeah. and and so when you move relationships along faster than usual it can take you to places faster than usual that wouldn't normally happen in like an outside dating environment right yeah how long were you guys filming paradise um i don't know the exact timeline but it was in the realm of weeks okay like yeah like two three like a weeks month or so maybe yeah yeah, um, yeah it's, it's definitely more than two or three weeks but oh, okay no, mm-hmm. not like not like three months or anything right, 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 right yeah um so when did they approach you about bachelor in paradise um after i got eliminated from bachelorette I think they had mentioned, like, oh, there's always paradise. And, you know, as we start casting for it and thinking about it, you know, we'll contact you. And they probably say that to every mm-hmm. cast member. Yeah. But, um, and then several weeks later, they reached out to me about uh, formal casting. Oh, okay. Okay. And so going into paradise, I believe, I mean, they ask you if there's, like, certain girls that you're interested in. Who were you hoping to see in paradise? So, I was excited about meeting CN. She was on Ari season. I, did, I like watched a couple of episodes of Ari season just to get a feel for who might be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's—I think she has a boyfriend. She yeah, was there. does. Yes. Um, I, I like DM'd her and or oh. I emailed her or something. And yes. She's like, "Oh, I'm not going." I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> oh my god we love Cian she yeah. was on the podcast twice yeah we love her uh, yeah. yeah she seems cool I've never I don't think I met her in person okay um and I had messaged Caroline too but I don't think she saw it okay. oh <laughs> damn <laughs> mixed up in the DMs I could totally see Cian and John it's like a little Ivy yeah. love match <laughs> yes <laughs> Ivy Ivy, Ivy POC yeah Ivy POC love match love it <laughs> Well, black women of Bachelor Nation and black women in our inbox were ecstatic to see that you had connections with two black women on the show, Jubilee and Olivia. Um, So what's your experience with dating women outside of your race? Um, Personally, I had not dated a black woman before. Oh, before Um, Paradise? Wow. Yeah, I I had not. Mm -hmm. And... I have dated um, white women and Asian women. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And everyone was really hopeful to see you and Jubilee and that one snippet of a date that we saw. (laughs) Um, And we got no footage beyond that first date. Um, So what happened with her going home? Yeah, we had a super fun date. That ziplining adventure was really cool. We had a great time. And when we came back, I was pretty clear with her. I was like, hey, we had had a fun date, but like... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Justine, there's something I got to get off my chest, girl. Tell me. I've been low-key struggling with my relationship with my phone and social media just the over accessibility these devices create, this addiction to Instagram, mm-hmm. the distraction from everyday life and the people closest to me, it's been really stressing me out. I'm not even going to lie. Mm. I mean, that makes sense. Content overload is very real and staring at everybody's highlight reels can be overwhelming mm. and can absolutely steal your joy and peace. Yeah. We carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. You all know we're huge advocates of therapy. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. It's been tremendously beneficial throughout different stages of my life and areas where I've needed help from eating disorders to new relationships to my ever-changing relationship with my family. Therapy has really helped me to set boundaries and prioritize my self-care. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 2BG1R today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H E lp.com slash 2bg1r I still haven't met everybody I was still pretty early on mm. um, on Paradise and so I was, I was still like getting to know everybody I'm also like I'm not a jealous type and I wouldn't want someone to I wouldn't want to ever feel like restricted like I can't talk to people mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I told her that too mm-hmm. and uh, I think over time I sort of felt like uh, with our time back on the beach and still getting to know people, mm-hmm. I thought that Jubilee and I would be better as friends. Mm-hmm. And so I had given her a rose and then so it was like the, the it switches. So now is her week, the mm-hmm. women's week to give roses out. And I told her that I think we're better as friends. And I don't think she took that well and Mm -hmm. she didn't want to meet anybody else or spend time with any other men on the beach so she left uh like she had the power of the rosette week so she was definitely safe but she she chose to leave instead Mm. oh wow right yeah damn i heard sprung yeah she was (laughs) real sounds like she was sold on you yeah yeah it's kind of hard when you just got there and you still kind of want to like explore yeah and meet people yeah, damn, it's a shame she went home and didn't even try to stick around to see if right. anybody else. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you you ended up leaving Paradise with Olivia um, to see, you know, how you guys going to explore your relationship after the show. Um, on the reunion, she was coming for your neck. What 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 happened with Olivia? 
I, I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. Um, we had, she came in towards the very end of paradise. Um, so we didn't have that many days to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a really fun day together and hanging out with her was really fun. Um, and then I went on a group date and then she went on a date as well. So of the time that we were together, two of those days, we didn't really get to hang out. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, we, we didn't spend that much time together because it was towards like late in the process. And, um, I didn't feel ready to take her to a fantasy suite. Like we weren't there yet. And I told her that when it was the last day when we were leaving paradise, that like, like I'm still trying to get to know you. Um, like let's not go there. Mm-hmm. And she was super relieved to hear that. Cause we were on the same page there, but mm-hmm. like I've, I've enjoyed getting to know her. Like, let's like see what happens in the real world. So right. the hard part is that she lives in Chicago and I live in San Francisco. In the beginning, we were, did a great job of like keeping in touch and, you know, calling and texting, uh, uh, three times a week. Mm-hmm. But, and, um, over time it sort of like dissipated, like work gets busy, life gets busy. I visited her in Chicago. We had a great time. Oh, um, okay. And, and then I think we like hadn't spoken for a few weeks and I mm-hmm. called her up and I said, I think we're better as friends. Yeah. And yeah. I, I could, it's, it's, you know, a bummer that we didn't get a chance to spend that much time together and we're really far apart geographically, mm-hmm. like logistically, it's just hard to make this work. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, she was very understanding and, Mm-hmm. Then she, I, I'm surprised that she, like, I felt like we were on the same page because we really hadn't been speaking much at all, like once every few weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I felt a little sort of just taken aback by the fact that she's blaming me mm-hmm. or getting frustrated at me for not chatting much because we weren't chatting anyway mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. So, like, but I, I still keep in touch with all of my other friends so mm-hmm. I, I don't know why there's mm. why that came up yeah. yeah she was salty yeah but yeah distance is a bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> long distance, distance. Sucks. Yeah. I, yeah i've never done a long distance relationship before so yeah after knowing someone for a few days it'd be a tough <laughs> sell from to get me to exactly. long distance date somebody yeah yeah it's that's yeah that's a lot to ask yeah <laughs> right mm-hmm. <laughs> yikes um, so Olivia, I mean, she a little bit implied that maybe you and Chelsea had something going on. And then if I remember correctly, I feel like you said that at some point on Paradise that Chelsea's ex was Asian. So you were going to try and maybe slide on in there. <laughs> <laughs> Did anything go down with Chelsea? What's the status with Chelsea? We love Chelsea. We're yeah, huge Chelsea, love Chelsea fans on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Chelsea and I are still really good friends. Mm-hmm. Like, we we still talk from time to time, just like I still talk with Angela or Chris or Bibby or <laughs> other friends of mine from the show. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I've never seeing Chelsea or Angela or Chris out of the context of the show. Mm. So I, I'm, I don't know where rumors started about me dating someone from the show, but I, I'm not, I never was. (laughs) So I I think on the reunion, I was more just like, Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I got okay. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but like, yeah, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. true. So, okay, like, yeah, I thought you handled it very 
fine. You yeah, actually did it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. it was more like because yeah, I like, I didn't have anything to add to I'm like, say. Well, I'm yeah, to feel that way because it's not true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the inkling that we got that she was trying to go there, and you were like, "There's nothing to go there yeah. for." Yeah, so. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were there any other women in Paradise that you wish you had gotten a chance to know better? I mean, I always thought Astrid was super cool, but mm-hmm. she dated mm-hmm. Kevin really early, early. on. Yeah, um, and. No, I don't feel like I had any misconnections. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You played Paradise well. You yeah. got to know everybody. Yeah. That's like, exactly really what you're supposed to, to know. everybody, and it did a good job. Yes, you did. Yeah, awesome. definitely. <laughs> um, so, Jenna and Jordan, um, this whole scandal has been drawn out for so many weeks, so long, <laughs> probably longer than you were filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no secret that people go on this show for fame, Instagram followers, money, um, and just no goal of going for love. Um, and this whole scandal has been so messy. And it's just hard to pick a side with Jenna and Jordan because we feel like as viewers, both of them came on with dubious intentions. So how does the show keep its integrity with the growing power of influencer fame? Something that I've always thought is that people come for the drama, but they stay for the love. Aww. So it's like what, what's entertaining is to see you know, sleeping through drama or to see people bickering or to see Jordan throwing a stuffed animal in the ocean. Mm-hmm. But that's not the memorable moment that people bring, that ABC brings couples back for. Mm-hmm. What they bring couples back for and what people feel drawn to is from years ago, you can recall that, you know, the couple from like Jordan and JoJo from several years ago are a couple that's still together and that people still talk about today. Mm-hmm. And that those are the most successful couples and successful relationships that ABC has from the show are ones that are still together and that they can build storylines around. And people like to hear successful love stories because it makes them feel good. Yeah. So the integrity they have is the same motivation that users have which is to like see true love and to see it succeed. So even though people still want drama and they definitely want their fair share of drama to air, they also need relationships to be successful in mm-hmm. order for the show to keep running. So yeah. the integrity is there because it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, they're always going to, seems like they're always going to have now like a sprinkling of these you know, kind of Instagram, I don't even know, like people who are chasing the yeah. followers and stuff, but they know that they can't create a show on that right. <laughs> because no one's going to watch that. People are tuning in for the love, mm-hmm. as you said. So. Right. Yeah. They come for the drama. They stay for the love. Right. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Dang, you should copyright that. Um. <laughs> they can take that. I don't need it. <laughs> sure, I'll take it. <laughs> copyright Natasha. <laughs> Let's talk about the future of the franchise. Um, when we had Rachel Lindsay on, she told us they'll have to integrate social media into the show somehow um, in order for it to stay afloat because so many of the scandals have erupted from social media. Um, and we love this idea and think it's definitely necessary. Um, but do you have any ideas as a programmer and a computer scientist? <laughs> How to integrate social media or anything like that into the show? 
I let's see. I my perspective was more from a consumer and from a user of social media products. When I see the show mm-hmm. now and I see other cast members, we are all ambassadors for ABC right. and for the show. Like we, it's it's fun for us to like see our engagement go up, and it's exciting to see like our friends go off and do cool things. And we talk about the show, we talk about ABC, and all press is good press for the show. So mm-hmm. they like the more that people end up becoming, you know, low level celebrities from the show, that's only good for ABC, my guess. Is my guess. It's like, yeah. like are they gonna integrate the show like into more social media? I don't know, maybe. Probably like I'm sure it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. But like it's already happening because the contestants enjoy it. Like they mm-hmm. and right. they don't like they, they don't really even give us pictures to share. It's just like, you know, sometimes the producers will pull out their phone and take a photo and maybe mm-hmm. we'll be able to share that if we can get a hold of the producers because they're super busy at work. But mm-hmm. like they, they're not like getting photos for us to promote the show. Like we do that because we enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the, the future of the franchise is somehow integrating the social media, really banking on yeah. the contestants of the show to kind of carry it through and somehow I feel like it's hard to yeah. say where Instagram is going to grow. I'm sure there's ways they can integrate right. with Instagram TV, mm-hmm. with yeah. Facebook Live, and you know, with live live tweeting is already a thing for the episodes as they air. But mm-hmm. there's always going to be a new fun platform for yeah. people to bank mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and as as long as the contestants are doing it, then ABC doesn't have to actively do that as much and they can instead focus on the content that they're yeah. creating right. for the show. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm excited to see what the future holds yeah. for this franchise. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has nothing to do with The <laughs> Bachelor, but I have to ask this question. Great, fired up. The listeners know that I'm obsessed with Myers Briggs. I said on the last episode I was gonna try and figure out your type. Do you know your MBTI type? Don't, yes. Okay, don't Let say me, it. Do you do know it, though? Okay, I, I have this saved on, like, a tab in my phone. Oh, my God, uh, me too? Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, okay, my guess, damn, not wavering now that I've talked right? to you. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess ESTJ or ISTJ. Fuck. Okay, do you want to know? Yes. Okay, so you're close. I'm ESFP. ESFP. Oh, you were close. Ah, okay. ESF. So my other, Justine can verify this, my other yeah. guess I had written down secondary was ESTP. But, uh, super close. What is the F and T, the difference between those? F and T is feeling versus thinking. It's like how you make decisions, whether you mostly go with your, uh, like how you feel and your emotions, or are you more like logical in your head and kind of weigh out all the options thinking yeah i would think that i'm more of a analytical thinker but right. pretty emotional so ah, okay maybe not yeah i was going with the t i was being very stereotypical with the programmer yeah but it seems like from your honesty that you give people yeah. you definitely f i could definitely see f yeah. now 
Okay. I almost got it, guys. Almost. <laughs> you were close to it. You had the ES right. Yeah, sure. I had the ES. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, and we looked at your LinkedIn profile, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> you went from Morgan Stanley to uh, some startups to TV, and now you're working in San Fran. Um, what's next for you? Um, you know, I'm still working at Finn. I okay. believe our mission is awesome. There's a lot of work to do, to be done, and I love my coworkers. So nice. I just you know enjoying my job. Like I'll entertain maybe like uh, social media involvement here or there, but I you know I spend most of my time at work and with friends and family. So um, there's there's no what's next. I don't know if I'll be in San Francisco or New York mm-hmm. or wherever in between. But right now I'm in SF and just at work. Great. Cool. Live it up. Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> um, all right. So I think, I mean, that's all the questions we've had for you in terms of digging into paradise mm-hmm. and um, the bachelorette. Um, so we're going to get into these listener emails. Are you ready, John? I am ready. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. So on last week's episode, we deep dived into certain themes that we saw come up in Paradise. Um, Those themes were dating with ulterior motives, desperation in love, self-sabotage, do opposites attract, and female friendships. And we have here four emails from listeners seeking some advice. So who do we have? Okay, so our first email is from Alyssa. Um, And she says, hi, Natasha and Justine. I have listened to almost all of your episodes, and I absolutely love the podcast. I've been married to my husband for six years. We have a two-year-old son. Prior to dating my husband, I have a lot of the incidents that relate to your topics on your podcast. I'm Korean and adopted. I was four months old when I came here, had no siblings, and was raised by white parents. I went to an upper-middle-class school district where middle school, like many, were my worst years. High school was better. We had our bigots and our bullies. For example, another Asian student was pushed down the stairs and called a racial slur. Um, But I do have to say, even looking back, for the minuscule amount of minorities, many were popular and fit in. For myself, however, I was never popular in high school, never had boyfriends, etc. I was like an 18-year-old Colton. I blossomed late, and when I got to college, I started going out and meeting a ton of guys. I had never really fell victim into the Asian fetish, quote-unquote, prior, so I won't lie when I say it took a moment to catch on. It's honestly men of all races. I had men of color and white men blatantly saying how they were only attracted to Asians and where are you from, all caps letters. But it was usually followed by a compliment, so my ignorant self knew it was wrong but discarded it as okay because it wasn't completely negative. It was only years later I realized how bad it is. To turn this over to you, have either of you been the black friend or an ex which someone tried to use as their I'm not racist card? And then the same question for John. Have you ever been the Asian friend and then the I'm not racist card to any, um, I guess, white white friends or exes? Um, thanks so much, ladies. I love the podcast. Keep it up. Whew. Saluted. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I have definitely been the black friend um, during college. Um, I 
lived in a dorm room where we had mandatory either four or eight to eight person rooms. Nobody could live in a single. So you were guaranteed to live with mostly white people. Um, And the black population was really isolated at my school, and I just wanted to go out and have fun. Um, And I ended up having the best time, but I definitely confessed to my roommates at the time, like, I didn't know if I was going to bond with you guys because I'm the only black one in this room. Mm. Um, But they never made me feel like the token because we all rolled as a crew. Like, they never made me feel like I was different. Um, even when I got my old little New Haven Bay, because, you know, I couldn't get me an old regular one. You know, had to go get one at University of New Haven. <laughs> um, we, we rolled all together. We all went to the Yale parties together. We had a fun time. Um, and I definitely, weirdly, relate to this where are you from question. A lot of people think that I am mixed with something. And fetishize it. A lot of people think that I'm mixed with some sort of an Indian or um, South Asian. South Asian, and yeah, um, a lot of Ethiopian. I get um, Guyanese. I get, um, and people definitely fetishize it. Like, ooh, it's so exotic. And I also took it as a compliment, but also recognized that, like, that's the reason why you're talking to me, mm. which is weird. Yeah, I always found it strange. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why is it necessary? Mm-hmm. And when I would say that I'm African-American, people would be like, let me see your parents. I'm like, you, you guys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so I definitely have been. I've never been the I'm not racist card. Mm. That's wild. <laughs> I, I, I can chime in real quick. I, sure, go ahead. I never felt like I was ostracized by my friends for looking different. I feel like in college, especially, my friend group was pretty diverse. Mm. And at college, the, the people around me were pretty diverse. So um, I definitely never felt like the token Asian guy. And I was never like, I'm not racist because of John. I, I think you can you can play either side with me because you can just say like, oh, he doesn't count as Asian because he's only half. Mm-hmm. Or you could also say like, oh, he doesn't count as white because he's Asian, mm-hmm. half Asian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've seen it work for both ways, but never in any sort of negative light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say yeah, I've definitely been used as <laughs> the I'm not racist. Um, here's my friend Natasha. Yikes. Um, yeah, I think I give an epi- I give an example on a prior episode where I talked about my friend who um, would do a lot of like microaggressions around mm-hmm. me, and then the one day she made like an Asian joke, and I called her out on it, mm-hmm. and she like had a whole fit and said how I made her feel racist, and you know I think she. I think I had let her get along for so long with all these little microaggressions that she felt fine to say whatever she wanted around mm-hmm. me. And so in that essence, she was using me as her, like, race card friend. Right. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'd say, as you said before, John, like, you grew up in a predominantly white area. Like, I, too, was raised in a predominantly white area. I luckily don't have many, like, vivid memories of, like, crazy racist shit happening to me. Um, but I'm sure that there might have been stuff that went down where people felt fine doing it because they're, like, in their collective conscious, they're like, oh, I'm friends with Natasha, though, yeah. so it's, like, yeah. whatever. Um, 
now in my life. I say everyone who's in my life now is with purpose, and so I don't mm. feel like I'm friends with anyone as the black friend. No. Um, but to who's the, to Alyssa? Alyssa. Um, I would say, I'm not sure how old, well, this is married with kids. Okay. She might be older than me, (laughs) (laughs) but I would say for me, it just took time. And like, once you get older, you choose your friends more wisely and, um, with more intention and versus when you're in middle school, you're just kind of all (laughs) friends for convenience. So, um, I'd say, yeah, I've kind of definitely evolved out of that. And hopefully I'm not in anyone's life now as their quote unquote black friend or, you know, I'm not racist friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think it just took time. Yeah. All right. So thanks, Alyssa, for your question. Um, next question is from Ashley. Um, first of all, let me say you ladies are incredible. The world needs many more of you. I can't even say. Thanks, Ashley. Um, I was listening to your today to your episode on desperation. I have a desperation story leading into a question of my own. I was obsessed with this guy for three years. We met in a whirlwind romance one summer before he moved away. He was witty AF, and the banter was better than most sex. Will fuck for banter, she put in parentheses. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) He always told me we couldn't work because we were abroad in different places, but kept me on the hook and talked to me over Messenger constantly for years. He told me I would... He told me I was his favorite person, that he loved every day he saw me and regretted every day he didn't know me. Real fuckboy shit, and I ate it all up. Finally, he met someone and stayed with her before going abroad again and went long distance with her, making me feel like an utter dumbass. They're still together and have a dog, a.k.a. marriage. I've always believed in the he's just not that into you principle, where if he wants you, he'll make it work no matter what. Do you guys think that's true? If so, what about Ashley and Jared? Yours truly, Ashley without the win. John, I really need to yeah. hear your thoughts you on this. <laughs> Is this a thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have, I, don't, I mean, I'm 29, and so I don't have that many examples of, like, these long-winded stories, <laughs> like drawn-out relationships, mm-hmm. um, or drawn-out love stories, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh it sounds like she's the strongest, like, option B that mm, he's ever yeah. had. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's keeping, always keeping her at arm distance, like, arm's length, but won't commit. Mm-hmm. If he's, like, always bantering with her and talking to her, but then won't commit, but then meet someone else and will commit so quickly, mm-hmm. then it sounds like he does care for her and he probably in like different timing or if he were a bit older he would have committed Mm -hmm. but under these circumstances while he's still like young and able to meet more people he'd rather do that right right yeah damn sorry ashley but i kind of have to say the same um so i i do kind of believe in the whole he's just not that into you and if a guy really likes you he'll fight to make it work i disagree with ashley when she says no matter what yeah i don't think the uh that clause for men really makes sense i think this is my personal opinion and john as a man you can definitely give me the perspective this is just my take i personally feel as if men like maybe pre 35 even 40 
really prioritize their career and their professional life and setting up themselves in that capacity more than finding romantic love, which is, I think, one area that men and women really different mm-hmm. are different on. A woman will quit her job and move across the country from a man. <laughs> yeah. Men don't do that in the same rate that we do. And I would say you would, for a man, you would have to be like in the heart of hearts, like his absolute love of his life and the timing would have to work perfectly with his job for him to give up all this shit for you. I don't know. That's just my cynical view, but that's kind of how I've always viewed men as operating. Mm -hmm. Is that really, go ahead. Playing devil's advocate only because I have personal, like, I have some family members that are a little bit younger that grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. I think oh. that's South, but like mm-hmm. you know, the Carolinas, they all get married younger yeah. in their twenties, okay. and like you know, you know, mid to late twenties, they already have kids. So mm. I like you guys live in New York, yeah. and I live in San Francisco, like yeah. two of the biggest cities in the country. I that's think it's true. More, probably more common. <coughs> where also where dating apps are more common, mm. and like. Unfortunately, what you see, if you're looking for a relationship, you probably see men that are prioritizing their careers first. Mm-hmm. Because and, and that probably cities self-select guys that want to do that. Mm-hmm. And probably that network of folks that you meet going to good affluent schools mm-hmm. are going to have people that prioritize their careers first because mm-hmm. like they've always been so academically inclined and know what that like they know that they want to prioritize their careers. Also from a guy's Mm -hmm. perspective, I want to be that guy that can take care of my family and my partner. And if she chooses not to work, then I want to be able to support her doing that. Mm -hmm. And I can't set myself up and my family and my partner for success. If I haven't secured like a good job that I'm happy and stable Mm -hmm. with. So Mm -hmm. I get that. And like, I, I'm certainly there too. Yeah. That's true. I think Mm -hmm. for sure we definitely live in metropolitan cities where I think everyone's just kind of like striving. So, yeah, I think definitely my lens would look a lot different than someone in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I I agree that I think men um, want to be financially secure so they can be able to provide for someone. Mm -hmm. So I think they do, you know, some men prioritize their professional lives in order to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I think Ashley just echoing what John said that I think this guy is really into you and is connected to you, but perhaps, I mean, this is probably not what you want to hear, but you might not be that into you. And maybe this yeah. other woman is feeling that capacity in some way. And that doesn't mean that you're not enough. Right. That has nothing to do with one, has nothing to do with the, the other. other. Yeah. Um, he just may feel a stronger connection with that girl, thus this decisions he's made with her. Mm-hmm. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Also, he might not want you to look at him in a bad light. We hear that a lot of a lot of guys stringing girls along because they just don't want the girl to like feel bad about them or feel like they're being mean. They don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be the bad guy ever. Um, and I think unlike the man we have on the phone right now, they don't choose honesty, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I think the more that you choose honesty, the more that he's just not that into you theory applies. Um, I think if you're playing games with somebody and you're going over messenger and like saying all these romantic things, but no, like pretty empty promises behind them, um, that theory doesn't really 
like clock out. Um, but I, again, I'm going to say this again. I think I said this last week. We can all learn from Astrid. Okay, she put her feelings out there on the table, and it put her in a great place in her relationship because of how, of how upfront she was and how open she was. It made Kevin any decision he made against her. It made him look like kind of crazy. Like it made him look like, why would you do this? This right. girl is, you know, taking care of you and is obviously emotionally stable and like mm-hmm. there for you. And like, what are you doing? And now they're together and happy. Mm-hmm. She's in Canada all the time. <laughs> loving loving life so I think it's way more complicated than that he's just not that into you thing that people say Mm -hmm. um, and that you should just like block this guy on every single social channel that you can yes yeah Yeah. I totally believe in that I agree probably better to cut ties Mm -hmm. and I also agree Kevin and Astrid are phenomenal together yeah Kevin was one of my closest buddies on Paradise and I, I and Kevin and Astrid are so awesome Yes, we love them. We love them. Big fans of them. Yes. Good luck, Ashley. Yeah, good luck. Um, So next we have Suzanne. She says, hey, I love your podcast, not only because I am one of the many white girls who lives off of Bachelor Nation, but also because you guys talk about the real issues that are seen through the contestants and the events on the show. Since Becca's season, virginity has been a huge deal. There's definitely a difference of how big a deal it's been with Colton versus previous women who have been virgins. And I think you talked about that on your toxic masculinity (coughs) bit in a prior episode. My question is basically, how does virginity impact relationships for women, specifically as they get older? I am almost 28 and I'm still a virgin because it's just never happened for me. I'm working on my PhD. Go you. Suzanne, Mm -hmm. Dr. Suzanne, and have obviously been preoccupied, but I am really wanting to find a partner now and feel like it's such a piece of baggage to most people, as we saw with people's reaction to Colton admitting he's a virgin. Hopefully this wasn't too off base for your podcast, and thanks for taking questions. Suzanne. Ooh, Suzanne. A lot. I would say to Suzanne, with being an older virgin, you just have to own it. Yep. I think if you're going into dating, presenting this as a handicap or even Mm -hmm. just thinking of this as a deficit, that men are going to treat it as such. Yeah. Um, I think being a virgin is not baggage, although Mm -hmm. society might make you feel like you're baggage. Um, But your virginity doesn't define you. It's just an aspect of it's one small aspect of you. Um, and if a guy feels that it's baggage, then he's obviously not the mature enough man that you want to be with anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more than anything, you just have to own it and just recognize that like you're on your own journey and no one's to say, even though society says losing your virginity at 18 and 19 is normal, that's not to say that you're not on your own journey and right. that 18 and 19 suddenly you're like a uh, I don't know, like an old maid or right. something. Like, right. I don't even know. Right. Your sale. Yeah, <laughs> I think you need to... I think, personally, you would have to do some work on yourself to kind of accept it and mm-hmm. just own this aspect of you um, before you then go into dating and, like, introducing this to somebody else. Because if you don't own it yourself, then it's going to be troubling for you to then try to, like, you know, have a conversation, like a meaningful conversation with a guy mm-hmm. you're dating about it. Um, I also think the word virgin is very loaded with a lot of, like, connotations. You can be a virgin, and you can 
still be a sexual being. Like, that doesn't... Right. I think there's this implication that you're just, like, this prude, you know... You have, like, a lock and key on your underwear. Like, whatever. <laughs> chastity belt? Yeah, like a chastity belt or something. I, th- I think, if, like, presenting to guys that you're dating, like, instead of coining it, like, I'm a virgin, because I just feel like that is so loaded. Yeah. Even just phrasing it differently, like, I haven't had sex, or I haven't right. had sex yet. Yeah. And, you know, just explaining what your relationship to sex is, like, I haven't had sex, but I'm still open, or I've mm-hmm. done other things, or whatever, whatever. Um, I think getting rid of that, like, virgin tag, I think, will help you kind of, like, uh, like... It'll help, like, break help the ice. Break easier. the ice, yes, yeah. I'm trying to say. Break the ice um, with men a little bit differently. And then I think you're fine. But more than anything, I think you need to, like, own it first within yourself mm-hmm. um, before even trying to, you know tackle talking about it with random ass guys that you date from online or something yeah. you know what i mean yeah <laughs> any thoughts yeah, john I, I, yeah I, I totally agree with that too definitely have to sort of own it first and there's probably more tech tactful ways to bring it up in conversation at the right time the other part like i think it's much more big a deal for the person who hasn't had sex than it actually is um like the other, I, got, I would think that most people don't really care that much if your partner has had sex before or not. Um, it would like, be nice for people to like, have that experience, in my opinion, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, if you saw the way Becca reacted with Colton, she was like, okay, thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad that like, if, it's really big, if it's a really big deal to you, then I want you to be able to feel comfortable and talk about it with me, but that doesn't mean it's a big deal to me. And that's mm-hmm. how it was. So I don't think people actually care as much as you might think. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that it's a bit easier on women than it is for men. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think men are sexualized from a really early age. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Colton being a virgin was like, yeah, so it's such a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also I think, you being worried about telling people, we all have aspects about ourselves that are um, unique but don't define us. Mm-hmm. So as someone who dates men, I haven't dated a man who's under the age of 35 in years. <laughs> and I've dated people who were divorced. I've dated people who have had long-term relationships and then quit them. I've dated people with kids. Um, and it none of those things are deal breakers for me. And I would see it as even a lesser version of those things. Like if you can't find somebody who's um, kind of like open and flexible in that way, then they're just not for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And sex is a really big deal in relationships. Um, So I would, you know, say it, sooner rather than later and like Natasha said to own it Mm -hmm. Um, but again it's not something that defines you Um, and as someone who is younger but like prefers to date older guys and knows what comes with that like Mm -hmm. you just kind of like accept it about the the person that you're dating and it is what it is yeah true yeah you'll find your person you'll find you'll find genuinely will not give a shit yeah dr (laughs) suzanne what you you mean you're dr suzanne right what you out here you're out here girl yeah (laughs) um and then we have our last question from an anonymous uh writer 
um, listener, I should say. She says, I'm a 19-year-old Indian girl in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm completely inexperienced, like never been kissed inexperienced. This might be too broad of a question, but do you guys have any advice for young women of color who are just beginning to explore the dating scene? Ooh. I love this question. What's your advice? I love it. I don't even know where to so, start. So, <laughs> um, if you're in college, anonymous, I would say knock on people's doors and introduce yourself. This was really hard for me to do in college, but you just walk around and say hi to the girls on your floor. Um, she's or the an introvert. She's never going to do this. I know. Justine, I would I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Introverts do not do this. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's hard. <laughs> Sorry. It's hard. Um, she but, might be. I mean, she might. Yeah, she might be. Um, but the girls will introduce you to the guys. And if you really want to date and you're 19 years old, all you have to do is put on a dress and walk outside. <laughs> like, being 19 and dating, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, my God, it was so easy. It was so easy to meet people. Oh, my God. It was so easy to meet people who are on the same page as you as well. Um, And I would not worry about your inexperience either. Um, Quick story, because I think that everybody at the age of 19 has never done something. Right. Like, it's not like everybody is out here, like, at sex clubs and doing crazy (laughs) shit when they're 19. Um, And everybody might make you feel bad about not doing certain things, but it just is part of learning at that age. Um, Quick story for me. I had two friends in college who made me feel horrible about not having anal sex. (laughs) I was 19. They were like, you've never done anal? Oh, my my God. God. I can't believe you've never done it. I was like, what? I'm just 19. What do you guys mean? Um, and Natasha and I was all girls school, so like, nah. <laughs> it's a no. That's it's a no. Um, so just my point in that story is don't let people make you feel bad about not being kissed. Um, and just go out and put on a mini skirt, girl. <laughs> You'll meet somebody. <laughs> oh my god, this dude! <laughs> I was not expecting this. <laughs> Um, John, do you want to go or I go? Um, I can't say whether or not to wear a miniskirt as a guy. I'd be like, probably more interested if I saw uh, maybe like a sexier outfit on somebody. But uh, I used to be really shy too. And part mm-hmm. of it stemmed, stemmed from being really overweight as a kid. Mm. And when you look, when you're chubbier your face is chubbier and your cheeks are chubbier so your eyes look squintier so i look more asian and was more embarrassed about that too oh my god (laughs) and um like i really like the idea of going out and meeting people but Mm -hmm. if you're in college there's so many ways to do that through Mm -hmm. extracurriculars and through um like club sports or other like non-athletic clubs Mm -hmm. and organizations so the hardest part is just getting that first sentence into a guy and it can be as simple as like like how'd you hear about this club or Mm -hmm. what classes are you taking this semester and once you have an in if they're interested it doesn't matter what you say they'll continue the conversation and ask you about you and then you're like then you're there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Can I ask you a question, Don? Do you feel yeah. as if, um, like, growing up, like, chubby, like, having your chubby days, did that shape you at all into, I guess, growing up into a more confident man or in some way? Did that have any, like, yeah, bearing? I mean, it definitely made me, I know where I never want to be again. Mm-hmm. And that I, I had low self-esteem and I was embarrassed about being seen by girls and I was embarrassed by like going to a beach or like going to like a party and and so Mm. like just from personal confidence Mm -hmm. if you care that much about how you appear then whatever you can do to just build up confidence will portray will come out in how you portray to other people so I would say yeah like help me shape what I am now because I know what I don't want to be Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Um, uh-huh. Who are we talking to? Um, Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous. I had my first kiss when I was 20 years old. Oh. So you, I, I'm right there with you, girl, <laughs> being a late bloomer on all respects. Um, I also dealt with, like, self-confidence issues. I also had a lot of social anxiety in college. Um, that's why I was saying when Justine said go around and talk to everybody on the whole, like, nope. I could never do that. <laughs> so I was going through my own stuff. So um, I would say my advice is to have fun and stay in your lane. I think mm. at 19, um, we have a tendency to just watch other people. Yeah. I know I did yeah. that for sure. I was watching all these girls with guys and having fun and yeah. they seemed way more advanced and I just felt like I was left in the dust mm-hmm. and I'm now at 28. I've had I had a lot more dating experience that I would have thought I would have had at 20 with uh, having my first kiss. Yeah, right. And watching everybody like progressing, and I just feel like you're everyone's on their own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at 19 in college, if you're watching everybody else around you, that might make you feel potentially worse about yourself because yep. it's going to seem as if everyone's so experienced when everyone's going through their own mess. Mm-hmm. So. I say have fun, you know, as John said, get involved in things that you like to do. And that's honestly the best way to meet guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's clubs guys or... Guys you have a connection with. Yeah, yeah, clubs or just hobbies. Like, do what you like to do and, like, you'll meet them within that vicinity. I don't think you have to worry about, like, you're not at our age yet where we're just sitting here hunting for husbands. <laughs> you, you have time. You still can have yes. fun with it. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, just do what you love, and they're going to be there around. Anyways, hang out with good people, good girlfriends. Yeah. They have yep. friends. They have brothers. They have cousins. Like, That's what you got to do. Just put yourself out there in that respect, but don't put too much pressure on yourself or watch other people too much because that yeah. will drive you crazy. That's great advice, um, especially for yeah. these kids now with Instagram. Could you imagine going to college with Instagram? Oh, God, I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's rough for them. Sounds like a nightmare. Right? Like a that sounds nightmare. crazy. Yeah. So limit your social media usage. Yeah. And have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much it. That's it. So that's it for the mailbag. I think that's it for the mailbag. Um, hopefully you guys... Thank you, everyone, for writing in questions. Mm-hmm. There was some deep stuff there. Yeah. There was some good <laughs> stuff there. Thank you, John, for uh, giving your mail expertise. Loved, loved it. <laughs> Appreciated that. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes. Yeah, we just want to say thank you, John, for coming onto the podcast. We've been huge fans of yours from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been rooting for you. We've just loved 
just your whole everything. <laughs> yeah, seeing like you evolve, like beyond seeing a love story for you, seeing you go from like shy John to John who won the manly uh, challenge on The Bachelorette, yeah. right? You won the like axe wood chopping uh, challenge. <laughs> And then you were the pimp on paradise. Like seeing that evolve. (laughs) And then we're all over Times Square. Like we just love this story. (laughs) Living your best life. We always are going to support that. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And shout out to John's social media. Uh, You could follow him at John Graham 262. That's everywhere, right? Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Okay, cool. And as always, guys, remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow us on all our Instagram, all the things, mm-hmm. Twitter, the number two BLK girls, the number one Rose. We're still tweeting mess, so don't follow <laughs> us. Also on Instagram. And um, you can email us at the number two black girls, the number one Rose at gmail.com. Yes. We have merch. We have all kinds of fun stuff all coming kinds for of you. Stuff going on. Um, stay connected. We love you people. And, yeah, we'll be back next time. Yep. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.